0: Get up. Beware.
1: I am. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Sam Clayborne, Hey, everybody. And making his first Game Scoop appearance, Tom Marks. It can't here. be his first. Scoop? And he's our PC editor, and his favorite game of all time is.
2: Oh God! Uh, Skies of Arcadia is usually Skies my, of Arcadia. Wow. my Legends is usually my go-to okay, answer there. Yeah,
1: uh, is that on GameCube? Yeah, GameCube
2: okay, originally for Dreamcast. Legends yeah. was for GameCube. But, yeah, but is yeah,
3: that the you say that's your go-to answer?
2: Yeah, it's my go-to because <laughs> that. What's so in your heart? It's it's that complex question of like that is definitely my answer in terms of like. At the time, I played them. Effect they had on me, long term, all that stuff. Probably there, I've I've played better games than that since Mm. then. Well, but but that's not how
1: favorites work, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Super Mario 64 is my go-to answer. Yeah. But if I really, if I meditated on it Mm. for (laughs) three straight days, I might emerge with a different answer. Mm. Yeah. You know.
4: Wait, is that just like a turn-based RPG in 3D? Uh,
2: kinda, but it's also Sky Pirate. Sky Pirate. One of my favorite. I like, like that. Aesthetics mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there's also these like super cool turn based ship battles where you're like fighting space like or pirate ships in the air. It's just awesome. It's, it's really got good.
3: a cool pirate bounty system where you're mm-hmm. hunting down other sky pirates. And you played mm-hmm. on GameCube? Yeah, I played on GameCube. Man, I missed this entirely.
4: So it's my question great. is what happened to the series? It went away. Just, yeah. It, a, it wasn't really a series
2: at all. Sega? Think. Is that yeah. a Sega yeah. game? Because it was a Dreamcast oh, game that just God. got like oh, one is one of the games that like caught the lifeboat <clears throat> off of the Dreamcast and made it. To Did it have I in it? It did not. It's no. also another
3: game that is, I talk about this a lot on Scoop, that's sort of trapped on an old platform. Like, you can't yeah. get it on Steam or anything like that. Like, yeah, I have a GameCube or your Dreamcast. I don't think it ever got remastered or ported.
2: Three of the characters Eventually. are in
1: Valkyria Chronicles, but besides that, nothing. I bet they'll remaster it or something. One of these days. Now that they've
4: heard
2: this episode.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Sega's usually a big fan of what we have to say about their games on this show. <laughs> We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Hawaii. Been there. We're going to talk about Sea of Thieves. Mm. But first, Ubisoft. Ubiquitous software. This week they uh, detailed just how much more money they make on their games as a service as compared to their one-and-done traditional games. Yeah. Uh, this is in um, some earnings uh, that they shared this week. So, you know, they release a game, typically, traditionally, it makes most of its money in its first year, right? Yeah. And then in its second year, that game will make 13% of what it made in its first year.
3: Interesting.
1: A game as service, though... Makes all that money in the first year, and then we'll make 52% in its next year, what it made last year. So it's well, just like, it's so much more money. Damon, that's 39% more. It's a lot more, yeah. So when people wonder, why is everything a gosh darn game of service these days? That's why. They just make tons more money.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's solved.
1: So we got that. <laughs> wow. That issue's laid to rest. It's just like... The school board meeting, right? I don't want to get into that <laughs> on GameScoop. Um,
3: no, we. Uh, it, it's funny that it's a monkey's paw situation where gamers for years have wanted more. Like, my favorite game of all time is Super Metroid. And it's like, what if they added new planets and new weapons and new areas for you to explore? And that's what gamers always claim they wanted. They just want to keep playing their favorite games forever and have those game be, games be supported forever. But then the way that we finally get that wish yeah. is it's like twisted around in a way that like, you know, it's all packed with microtransactions or, you know, all kinds of
2: catches and side effects.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tom, do you have a feeling, uh, any any sort of opinion on games as a service? Like it, don't like it?
2: Uh, I generally like it, but as with all things, I like it if it's being done responsibly, right? Like, sure. I mean, like, if we're going off of Ubisoft, like Rainbow Six Siege is one of my favorite games right now it's the it's the fps i play the most of right now and like that game would not exist if it had just stopped in the first year like the the amount of content it's gotten the amount of updates and fixes and all this stuff that it's gotten since launches made it become one of my favorite games uh but then at the same time i look at a game like the division and i'm just like i'm way less interested in a game like that uh, as a service and like I would much rather The Division had been more of, like, a linear story thing that I just play once and stop and, yeah. like, not had to deal with all the online stuff and the the Dark Zone. I, I wish the Dark Zone had been more of, like, a dedicated PvP thing than, like, this area within the open world, right? Like, so I, I'm not opposed to games as a service, but it does make me worried about if this is just what games are now, like, what is that going to do?
1: yeah. Well, in addition to uh, sharing how much more money they make on games as service, they also share that they make a lot more money off their digital games, perhaps not surprising. Uh, Now 56% of Ubisoft's total revenue comes from digital sales of games and and content.
3: More than
1: half. That is more than half. I'm glad we we have a mathematician here on the show. Uh, So I don't know. It's interesting. So their ideal customer is someone who uh, buys their games digitally and then just plays just those games.
3: Well, Ubisoft in particular is very notable for this. And, you know, they're lauded for this by me and others for sticking with Rainbow Six Siege. Launched fine. You know, it was a good game, but not exceptional. But they stuck with it through updates, big and small, small quality of life improvements, um, and just sort of chipped away at uh, the parts of the game that maybe were not so excellent. And then, lo and behold, you know, a year or two later, they have an excellent game. And although they did have that weird thing with their pricing recently that they got a lot of blowback for in general, has supported the community in a way that, uh, you know, is both beneficial to their business and to the community playing that game. And yeah. they're in a similar boat with For Honor. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're For Honor, really like,
1: s- still gaining players, isn't it? Like, yeah. like seven and a half million they're, they're people that that game. They're not giving up on that game. Yeah. I
2: think a lot of. A lot of people have given up on For Honor, and they are not. They're giving it dedicated servers now, and they're, they're really going all in. Well,
3: that's yeah. what I mean. Like Kudos to them for doubling and tripling down on a game that they believe in, and instead of looking at the numbers and spreadsheets saying, well, look, this one just didn't work out. And instead, they really seem to be willing and uh, able to go that extra mile to, yeah. um, to ensure that a game they believe in gets its gets its chance.
1: But what I, I like about Ubisoft, and I think is uh, unique about them, is that here, they're demonstrating how much more money they make on their games as a service, but then they're also dedicated to more traditional games like Assassin's Creed Origins and Far Cry 5.
3: Well, mm-hmm. I would I put Assassin's Creed Orig- Origins in that games mm. as a service category. I mean, maybe not to the degree that, you know, For Honor is, but they're having weekly. That game absolutely has live events, you know, things this weekend only fight this big boss and uh, events that seem to come and go. um, And they're opening up new high level areas months after that game released. Um, Yeah.
1: And I know there is a lot of uh, content that they have planned coming mm -hmm. down for Assassin's Creed Origins. That's interesting. I I don't really think of it as a game of service.
4: Yeah. Like does does Zelda count as a game of service? I mean, the two quick, pretty quick DLC packs and they're kind of spread out.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, Assassin's Creed in particular has weekly events, which I don't know, like, what the delineation or demarcation. For, yeah, I think like, there needs to be a community involved, right? Yeah, maybe. A high score event, something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that you know, I was talking to Sam about this earlier this week. The games as a service model kind of flies in the face with how gamers traditionally played games. Like when we were growing up, you would play a game, finish it, and move on to the next, because I love video games and I want to play as many as I can. So I kind of liked the whole process of playing through a game, putting it up on the shelf and then trying out the new game. But now games as a service is like just play this one game and it's at a time when there are more games available than ever, right? It's
4: interesting. I, I like I've always prided myself in like saying like, oh I'm gonna try as many games as possible, know a lot about a lot of games and like really kind of like experience the library side of Video game playing, I really like that. I collect games too, so yeah. I actually have a library. Um, but um, that is, you know, something that developed from when I rented games at the store when I was a kid. And, like, I'd go there and it'd be new games would be really excited and, like, go and, like, for, you know, two bucks or something, take a game home for the weekend. And a new one every time until I found yeah. one I really liked. And I, stuck, I stuck with it for a while. But it's like you get this huge experience of games and, like, maybe... Maybe that that you could say that, like, games of service is saying, like, don't just stick with one, don't play all these other games, and you're not having other experiences, but it's on you to make those other experiences. And we have things like Steam now, which make it so much more possible to play many, many games for for so cheap. Like, we kind of have both worlds right now. Yeah. And it's kind of up to your tastes. And then, uh, you know, I, I think there's some self improvement and stuff to be had. And if you want to write about games or think about games, you want to play as many as possible. Yeah. I definitely don't want to hire people that only play one game. You know, so unless that's, that's, that's their beat, unless that's their beat, which which if we only have three games in the future and we only play those, then we'll definitely have to have, have people that only play those games. I mean,
2: I mean, I I like thinking of games as a service. Also, like I like playing them kind of cyclically, right? Like Warframe is a game where. I will come back to Warframe every few months and get really obsessed with it for a while, and then go like just stop, right? And that doesn't mean that that game is is dead to me. It just is like oh, I'll see what they have, what's new, you know. Maybe they'll they'll update the game with a new thing, and then I'll just come back to that, and and then you know I'll drift off of Warframe and I'll be playing Siege for a bit, and then I'll drift off of Siege and I'll be going back to Overwatch for a bit, right? Like Do you find your friend groups move with you through those. It, it depends sometimes. Like I I have. A lot of my friends more recently have, like, started to dip off of Siege, right? And before Siege, they were all playing PUBG, right? Yeah. And and so I'm sure at a certain point, PUBG is going to come back to the top of that cycle and, like, we're going to be playing that again. Um, I, I think that it does bring up a key thing, though, which is, like, all the games I just mentioned, I have way more fun playing them with friends than I do on my own right like sure. all those games I think games as a service kind of encourages that is that that idea of like like you said the community yeah, it's, right it's,
4: so. yeah, that's your it's, it's friend social experience. Your, it's your social side of it which we always had with like Goldeneye and stuff like that in the pre internet era um, for sure like couch co-op was a big deal and like I always liked those games but it doesn't mean I stopped playing a Mario sixty four as soon as a uh, you know Super Mario Kart sixty four came out. Yeah, we,
3: I mean I, Tom just touched on something important, which is you know putting down one of these games. I think I'm a casual or maybe not so casual Destiny fan. Like I like Destiny, like Destiny two, the shooting, the lore, you know everything about that game. But I'm not the type of person that's going to sit and play with it for years and years, like the people on yeah. the Destiny subreddit. Uh, I think that community. Is kind of whiny, actually, um, or they they complain about like I'm out of things to do, and it's like that's fine, you know, like that
1: game doesn't Too bad there owe aren't you. Any other games to play?
3: Yeah, it's like that. Destiny Two is new, but it's still what four or five months old. So yeah. you know, if you're tired of it, if you feel like it's run its course, or you're feeling a little burnt out on it, like. You don't need to go onto the Bungie forums or that subreddit and complain. Although I understand that's coming from a place of passion, and you just wish there was more you could do with the game, so I get that. But uh, but that attitude has always always just been so interesting to me. It's like that's fine. Like don't play it. Come back in a year when the next expansion comes out. Like that's how I play. Like I don't play World of Warcraft, but I do because I pick it up once every other year and play for two or three months. And then that's my cycle with that game that I've settled into. Yeah. Like,
2: it's not like I'm a WoW player and not a WoW player. Like, I dip back into it. Mm. Well, that's also, it's interesting because that's an expectation that has been built up by other games, right? Like, in a weird way, Minecraft ruined mm. it for everyone, right? Like, Minecraft got such consistent updates for so long and, like, really popularized this model of, like, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, they, it basically invented early access or, it like, popularized early access and yeah. allowed people to... To do that sort of thing. And then, you know, you think of a game also like Terraria that did a similar thing where for years and years and still that game is just getting content updates. Mm-hmm. So that when a game like Stardew Valley comes out, you have people complaining, being like, yeah, you know, once you get to like the 60 hour mark mm-hmm. of Stardew, there's really like nothing to do. And it's that's like, that's where I am right now. Right, and that <laughs> might be true, but also you spent sixty hours in that game. Yeah. It's like not every game needs to be Minecraft coming out with new content. Like all the expectation all the time. that every month yeah. there's
3: going to be a new crop or new exactly.
2: town event or something. And to their credit, they are working on some some updates from Stardew Valley, oh, just bullshit. not as many and as frequent.
1: Yeah, a two player update that's still coming. It's four player four actually. Player. Four player. Wow. So that's there's like flamingos or something. Some single player
2: content. <laughs> I I missed the flamingos. Yeah, there's or flamingos. The, the purple boat. They're making
3: some secret purple boat. There is content coming to Stardew, but it's not like, you know, it's just a content drop. It's not yeah. like that's not a game that's seeing new things added to it on the
1: regular. Hmm. Uh, one of my followers on Twitter, Alan Billingsley, had an interest, interesting question about this whole uh, games as a service topic. He says, I think it would be interesting to discuss how these games as a service will age. In 10 years, will Destiny be running on fan servers, mm. maybe with fan made content, or will they just be shells of games because so much of the game was stuck in loot boxes? Uh, I don't know, it is an interesting, uh, something to consider, like, in t- 10 years from now, what is yep. Destiny, What what is Warframe?
2: I think the first part of that is significantly more important than the second part of it. I think the loot box question is, like, you brought up, at first you were like, you know, will these games even be runnable, and will they have loot boxes? It's like, will these games even be runnable? Yeah. Like, yeah. we already <laughs> see games shutting down because of this. I mean, uh... Mojang's, the developer of Minecraft, Scrolls, Scrolls, they had this card game that they stopped developing like two or three years ago. And it's MMOs, you know, I mean. Yeah, and that's finally shutting down. But one of the things the Scrolls team is trying to do is make a... Uh, server tool that the community can use so that when the game does officially shut down, the community can run their own servers. That's cool. I'd love to see that happen for more games going forward. It should just be a standard practice. Right? Yeah, it like,
3: should be. Like, we're not monetizing our game anymore. It didn't work out for us. Here, we've open-sourced, you know, whatever element of yeah. this that we can for you to just take it on
4: yourself. There's just no financial incentive to do that. Yeah,
3: well, unfortunately. that's true, but there's also no financial disincent. Like, presumably, if it's not a business for you anymore like, turn it back over
4: to the community. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I wish you could just give them all your <laughs> files, but it seems like yeah. you have to actually make that
2: work, which costs you, money. You do. They were, that, in the Scrolls example, again, they were saying, like, we cannot just give you the source code. If we give you this, like, that is we, something we can't yeah. do. And I'm sure that came from, like, Microsoft directly, right? Well, where is Mi-
4: Microsoft and Mojang going to scrounge together the money to do
2: this anyway? <laughs> Yeah, that's true.
3: I mean, there's that's definitely true. elements of, uh, I mean, <clears> even <throat> in Destiny 1, these games as a service, just a complete, uh, you know, disregard for, maybe you'd spend it as a a positive, a willingness to just not keep the product static. And Destiny 1 at launch is not the Destiny 1 that you go back and play today. They replaced um, the voice, uh, Tyrion Lannister.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
3: and Nolan North does the voice of the <laughs> ghost now. And so you just can't find like that Destiny 1 that you played for the first year, or whatever, is gone. Um, and World of Warcraft is another example. The World of Warcraft you played at launch is gone, and the cataclysm expansion revamped all those quests and all the whole old world. Yeah. And
4: So aside from even hosting those and making sure that they run uh, on a you know a shared server, you also need people to play them. Mm. And so <clears throat> you know, sure. think of yourself in a library in 50 years you want to play Destiny uh, One. Um, you you know could probably conceivably get it up and running, but it, it's empty. You know and like yeah. what's actually there to play, so you know, you're gonna be playing robots, so you're gonna be playing, <laughs> I that. yeah, but robots, I, but it worked to in perfect,
2: Fill dark.
1: your game, it worked in perfect dark. Yeah. I
2: do see, like, I mean, games like Quake, and and you know, Quake has proved that uh, there's still value in being able to, you know, like last year, I think it was, I was in a 20 man Quake server playing Quake 2, like you know, with a bunch of people, and it was like, yeah. If you just tried to like go on to mm-hmm. Quake, you couldn't be able to. But like, if you find the right group who wants to do that sort of thing, being able to jump into a game like that would be really cool. That if yeah. you were we like, need
4: the Library of Congress to, to help us out here.
2: I, I'm I, all for that. I Completely <laughs>
3: agree. I mean, it's video games are weird. They're a weird, different medium than everything else on Earth. Uh, you know, a video game can be a two minute experience on your phone. Or a thousand hour experience on your PC, and yeah. like that's part of the challenge. Like Dan complains <laughs> about reviewing games all the time. We're like, it's the equivalent of the same person reviewing, you know, a television show and a movie and a Vine, you know, all on the same <laughs> review scale. That's really good. Like, we should start reviewing vines, by the way.
1: <laughs> six out
3: of ten, okay. Um, and and then the other part of that is, you know, the preservation aspect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, games that are required to be online are required to have other people to play. It adds to the transient nature of the medium. It feels less permanent than, like, a song is a song
4: forever. If Um, it's happened already, uh, I'd like to hear about it if you're listening and can tell us. But I'm curious if people have wholly resurrected mm -hmm. an uh, online game.
3: They have with MMOs. Uh, Oh, boy. Is it City of Heroes? Like,
4: it had to go, like, completely
1: dark. And then they said, like, somehow we're going to get this up and running. Can you emulate it? Has there ever been an... Right. Mm-hmm. Is that even possible? You could emulate. Well, there was the
3: bootleg Pirate Wow servers for a long time, and then one that was like maybe semi official, but they eventually shut down, and now Blizzard's doing it officially. Yeah. Finally, thanks to fan demand, they're bringing back, you know, World of Warcraft vanilla classic servers.
1: Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I can, yeah.
3: I can't, I wish I could recall the name. There's absolutely fan run
1: MMOs that were mm-hmm. shut down and then resurrected by the community. What happened with APB? Remember that one? Didn't right. they t- did they turn that one over to? I thought to- that
2: game was still like technically still playable. Didn't they make it oh free? Oh no, that's Brink. Was-
1: they made Brink free. Brink is free. Which is the
2: technically a sequel but not really to AP.
4: Are all the EverQuests still running? Yeah.
2: Yes. One There's still they still put out content. Well, it's funny
3: guys. that one and 2 are running concurrently. Yeah, I think concurrently, 1 is yeah. maybe more popular Yeah, da-
2: sure Daybreak that. still does mm-hmm. like or- like weekly or monthly updates to <clears> that game. They're real small, mm-hmm. but they still do it. But
4: that's about- an example like if that game, because of the passion that's still around for EverQuest One, like you can't conceivably see even if they shut it down, like somebody will figure out how to yep. run EverQuest.
1: What about uh, uh, which one was just? Man, I was just but thinking. What about them. the bad ones? Did oh, they Ultimate Online? Is that still a thing? No, mm-hmm. oh, if That's still running.
3: Ultima's online. There's pl- uh, Runescape still around. It's- What's the Mad Max one?
4: Um, Mad Max? <laughs> there, no, a Mad Max <laughs> MMO? No, there's like a there was a uh, popular. It crashed right away, but it was like a Road Warrior type MMO. That's one that's definitely gone. I don't know. I don't remember that one. What was it called? I'm just trying to think of ones that are. I mean, there's there's probably.
3: I mean, I was really fascinated. (laughs) I went through a phase where, because I really loved Lord of the Rings Online, and like as much as I love that game, I would totally say it's a B tier MMO. (laughs) And I got fascinated with like you know Asheron's Call and like you know Dungeons and Dragons Online was Turbine as well. Like all those sort of B tier MMOs and like what happens to them when they die. And um, the smart ones or the elegant ones, they shut down the game in like a graceful way and have an in universe reason. They usually spawn like a bunch of mega beasts and like well, some storm or something. The, yeah, Did and then, they
4: really? Do? I've never heard of that.
3: Yeah, yeah. and then everyone That's congregates awesome. together and like celebrates the end of the world, and it's like <laughs> That's it's awesome. like sort of happy, but it's also bittersweet because yeah, then like the lights turn off, like a- then the server turns off, and yeah. it's like oh, then you yeah. can't get back on. It's yeah. just over. But then the crappier games are the ones that don't care, don't have the time to get Turned something
1: off. together. It's just gone. The or- Matrix Online. Oh yeah, the Matrix Online. That's a good
4: example. Like, could somebody get that going again? Don't know.
1: I don't have the answer. We, we, Tom, can. They? Let's give it a whirl. I uh,
2: there. There's hope, but <laughs> I. I think it's a very small flicker.
4: I mean, it's just interesting to think, like if we set out, you know, with lots of money to resurrect a game like that, you'd have to purchase the rights and do all the stuff.
2: Yeah, that way you could. I mean, yeah. you could bootleg it. The probably bootleg. Anyone That's with weird. enough time the could bootleg, bootleg it. It's really I think there's probably you pirate, have the
3: game code. There's probably pirate servers of most MMOs out there. Wow, that that are worth
1: still, you know, preserving. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. But speaking of loot boxes, Hawaii has become the first U.S. state to officially propose legislation to prohibit loot boxes in video games. Nice. Mm. Uh, the bill, the text from the bill, cites the uh, recent you know, World Health, Health Organization's move to consider gaming disorder a disease, and the bill reads: These predatory mechanisms can present the same psychological, addi- addictive, and financial risks as gambling. This is being uh, spearheaded by Democratic State Representative Chris Lee, who has described Star Wars Battlefront II as a Star Wars-themed online casino. Yeah. Is that accurate, Tom?
2: I mean, there was a Star Wars-themed casino <laughs> in the new movie, so yeah, maybe true. it's just that.
1: Uh, Lee, it's a very th- diplomatic answer. <laughs> There's those
4: dice in the Millennium Falcon.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's true. Lee says, I grew up playing games my whole life. I've watched firsthand the evolution of the industry from one that seeks to create new things to one that's begun to exploit people, especially children, to maximize profit. Uh, And according to Lee, more than half of U.S. states are currently considering some sort of loot box legislation. So there's four bills in total. The first pair uh, aim to prohibit the sale of video games containing randomized rewards to consumers under the age of 21, And then the second set of bills Mm. seek to establish disclosure requirements, including probability rates for publishers of games that feature loot box mechanics.
3: So I think that the first part
4: of that seems like it would cover a lot more games than loot boxes. Yeah. That's the problem with legislation like this, right?
3: Well, we don't have that. I mean, Damon's paraphrasing the yeah. legislation, but uh, the dis- randomized rewards. Do you think? Yeah.
1: yeah, you think that covers more? Yeah. You know, second, like at the end of Super Mario Bros. three levels. <laughs> this is a I mean, even that.
2: Diablo is yeah. randomized. I mean, everything. Yeah.
3: I mean, the the second the disclosure to me. So here's the deal. Like, this is a nuanced, complicated issue. Yeah, you cannot like loot boxes, and then in that same thought, have a second thought in your head that they should not be illegal. Like, yeah. these are two, these are like, because that's, that's the spot that I'm in. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I don't, I don't like them. You know, I don't think they're healthy for the video game industry. I also don't think, <laughs> I sound like uh, someone else, but I don't think the government should be, you know, telling me <laughs> what to do or, you know, mandating that I'm not allowed to do it, yeah. right? Even though I don't like
4: it.
1: Yeah. Uh, the ESRB stance is that loot boxes are, are, aren't dissimilar from trading cards, from magic cards.
4: That's and right. those. Pinball. No, I think I <laughs> think pinball was banned for the same reason, and those have had to be, those laws have had to be overturned in every city and every state, and they're so stupid. Yep. Yeah. They're about like What's this is a gambling machine, and it doesn't involve skill, so we're going to ban them, and they're banned everywhere, and like t- you know until a couple of years ago, yeah. my wife was involved in turning this over. Uh, uh, you weren't allowed to have more than like ten pinball machines in and in, <laughs> under a roof in San Francisco yeah. near a school, it's
3: so, <laughs> so but put them outside and you're fine. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's it, it's like it's just. I'm exaggerating, but it, it's exactly what it's like, and you know we probably don't need to legislate. I think disclosing to, yeah, to
3: the, the drop rates is the key. Like, yeah. So people I understand. So right. people have the full Love knowledge that. before you know they push the button and put in five dollars to understand: Do I have a ten percent chance of getting the thing I want, or a point one percent chance of getting the thing I want? Yeah, that yeah. feels like a also, no-brainer.
2: Also, I think in some cases, making it a little more difficult to actually press the button to buy is mm-hmm. a fair th- complaint. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of mobile games, there are examples of mobile games that will oh, yeah. very much incentivize just press a button and you spend $5 magically and it's like that sort of stuff is targeted towards kids. Like the Just in the same way that you mm-hmm. were saying you can hate loot boxes and not like this legislation – the same exact thing of you can think that there are exploitative practices that need to be fixed yeah. and hate this and legi- not like this legislation. Like both of those things can mm-hmm. exist. This is a really scary thing to me in in the same way because like I think there are a lot of times where loot boxes make games fun, and yeah. I think there are a lot of times where loot boxes are used responsibly and are make a game better. And I hate. That this kind of zeitgeist happened where everyone was like, witch, burn the witch, burn the witch. <laughs> and, like, like, we're, you know, putting putting uh, uh, loot boxes up on this, like, burning pyre. stake. Yeah. yeah, this pyre. Because it was like, you can't just, like, ban them all. Like, I think that's such a heavy-handed and yeah. short-sighted way – to solve this problem because it damages so many games. And also there's this side of this where it's like, well, what if they don't just ban loot boxes? What if any game that has a loot box now can't be sold to somebody under 21? Then it's like, okay, developers aren't going to stop making loot box games. They're going to keep making loot box games. It's just that kids aren't going to be able to buy them anymore. And it's like, that's that's not like a good fix to this problem. It just means that little, like like it means that the 18 year old out there who wants to play the shooting game is like not going to be able to play the shooting game anymore legally and it's like this isn't a solution there needs to be a better more long term solution to this
3: you also yeah. you know there's you know, this isn't a particularly political show but there is the element of you know is it the government's place to be telling you know yeah. any artistic endeavor what they can and can't do to begin with you know the esrb is not the government, you know, that's the games industry self-regulating re- reg- itself and saying, look, we're going to put on our own boxes. I mean, it was sort of at the government's, you know, nudging <laughs> and they said, look, you need to do this. So we're going to step in and get involved. But the games industry took care of itself and said, look, you know, we will make this proactive mm-hmm. change on our own. And the consideration of. It looks nice on paper to say, okay, no one under 21 can buy these games. Like, cool. But then that puts the onus on every single, you know, small developer, anyone on earth making a game to know the age of all their customers, which they might not always know. And, like, there's – it's complicated. All this stuff is always more complicated than people sort of make it out to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and it's it's so frustrating, and I get so kind of worked up about this whole conversation. Like get it. Because I – I do agree that loot boxes are a problem right now in Mm -hmm. some cases and in some regards. And I do agree that like, can you provide an example of where you think it's a problem? Well, I think that any, I mean the battlefront thing rubbed me way the wrong way. And to, to their credit, at least for now, they haven't turned those back on. Right. Um, any, anything that has power and randomization, I, I generally dislike. Um, Something like Overwatch, honestly, I don't think Overwatch is a problem with its loot boxes. I think that game is 100% all its randomization is cosmetic, uh, mm-hmm. and it gives you a system to not mm-hmm. participate, like, to, to bypass that, and I think that's great.
3: Uh, so, I agree with you. Like, I, I would I would put Overwatch in the good pile. Like, here's an example of loot boxes done, done right. But even so, like... When you get a duplicate piece of gear in Overwatch, it turns it into gold instead that you can then turn into like you can spend that gold on more gear. But they designed the system and they didn't have to give you duplicate gear at all. Well, yeah, like, so
2: we'll, we just
3: hand wave away this stuff, even in like the good games, like when they have control over the whole spreadsheet of what drops and what doesn't like, it's like, oh, you can, you can spend the currency that you get on your dupes into more stuff. And it's like, but no one even stops to take a step back and be like, well, wait a second. Like, why, why does it have to even be that unfriendly?
1: But does it bother you when you buy a pack of magic cards and you get a dupe card? Well, there's
3: a couple differences there. Sure. Uh, uh, they don't know whether I have a dupe card sure. or not. You know, and over and Blizzard does, and uh, those have monetary value that I can then turn around and sell. You know, that's a physical thing that I own, and I have a closet full of magic cards that I could turn into 5,000 bucks if I wanted to or needed to. You should do that. Yeah, <laughs> 5,000 bucks. <laughs> um, may, I may have exaggerated that. <laughs> It may, if my wife is watching, please, it's not.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you just open the closet, and just, they all just pile out.
2: And the part of this that we haven't really touched on that I also do think is a problem is, like, yeah, I think that some of these things exploit especially a younger audience, yeah. and I think some of these systems exploit people to just be pumping in money, and that's mm-hmm. where the the uh, the slot machine kind of metaphor comes in of, like, you just keep putting in money hoping to get a reward somehow, and, like, I think that stuff needs to be At least fixed, or as you said, made more transparent. Because one of the things that has Mm -hmm. happened is China has mandated that you uh, reveal drop Mm -hmm. rates already. They already did that, and we Mm -hmm. started getting drop rates for things like Overwatch and Hearthstone and and these bigger games. But, like, I agree with Justin. I want those in the game. I want them right next to the button where you buy the thing. It says, here are your odds. Like, I think that is something that needs to happen And I think that's something that's not going to happen because of this legislation.
3: That legislation was passed. Man, I wish I could remember the game. But a game lied. They're like, you know, you have a 3% chance of getting this ultra desirable thing. And then, you know, they did a... Like, it wasn't actually 3%. And before that legislation, you're completely at the mercy of the developer to trust that, you know, they're not manipulating you. And, you know, generally, I'm a fan of Blizzard. I trust Blizzard insofar as I trust, you know, any game developer. But, uh... But uh, what's the temptation on their end to you know they know what the desirable thing is going to be, mm. and to to withhold that to a greater degree than some of the than some of the you know skins or voice packs or whatever that people maybe they know don't care about as much to try to get another five or ten dollars out of people during seasonal events. The the an example of bad loot boxes. I don't even have a specific game, but it's the time pressure, right? This weekend only, there's a special thing going on, and you have a one percent chance of getting what you want. And then that likelihood that people are going to put in another ten or twenty or hundred dollars.
1: The Plants vs Zombies Heroes game does that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's always timed events. You you only have this weekend to get this special card. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, they all do. Like uh, they all do it. But that's not that. And that that mixed up with not knowing what the drop rates are, or not even knowing if we're being honest about the drop rates they are giving you, creates a pretty gross stew. Yeah.
4: I thought we were talking about Hawaii, but then we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hawaii is the first state. What's up with all those chickens in Hawaii? It's weird. Yeah, there's
1: yeah. wild chickens. Around. around.
2: Is this passed already? It's just been proposed. Okay. Yeah.
1: So uh, Hawaii is the first state to officially propose this gotcha. legislation. It's
3: not the government's business. Sorry. I,
1: I, just... t- I, I agree with you. I agree. But moving on to another game, with my- eventually, uh, we'll have microtransactions. Sea of Thieves is out March 20th. It is a full $60 game, and uh, we had a story on IGN this week about how they do plan to add microtransactions three months after release. Okay. Uh, Well, I know. (laughs) But some of the microtransactions sound kind of cute. Someone from Rare was saying, we thought long and hard about what's right for our game experience, and the key thing, we think, is that it has to add to the fun social nature of the game. So anything in this area will not impact power or progression and you'll always know what you're getting, so that means no loot crates. The first paid content for the game will come in the form of pets. It'll either be on a shoulder, like a monkey, or a cat on the ship. But it'll kind of benefit everyone socially and emotionally. So if you've got, a, if I've got a cat, I can pick it up, look at it, or you can pick it up and run off with it. Cool. I really, really want to allow us to fire cats and other animals out of cannons.
3: Well, okay, right. that's... <laughs> As long as the cat wants to be fired out of the yeah.
1: Bandage. Beyond that, Rare is looking to include potions that can alter you cosmetically, like yeah. a potion that turns your character model old for a certain amount of time. The mission statement is that microtransaction items have emotional value, not mechanical value.
3: Yeah, I mean, how funny they're they're following, they're copying the exact World of Warcraft playbook on that. Interesting. In terms of uh, uh, cosmetic pets and stuff like that that you can that are, buy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the Pepe f- the owl. I mean, there's a million of them, and sometimes they benefit charity, and I think sometimes they don't.
2: And, mm-hmm.
1: um, Some of that stuff actually sounds kind of fun stuff I'd want to play around with, but I wonder, like, why why isn't it there at, at launch? I wonder.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel like there's always the perception of microtransactions at launch that it's like, oh, this is just gated day one content that you're making mm-hmm. me buy. Why isn't this in the game if it's already here? And like probably they're trying to stop that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like because if there is the – I personally don't have a problem with microtransactions like that. If you want to sell little cosmetic things just that are like little premium items, that's yeah. like the type of microtransaction that doesn't bother me. But there are people who – I I understand the mindset of like if I buy a $60 game – and there's all this content in it at launch when i buy it why is some of it why do i have to pay more for some of it why didn't i get the cat exactly <laughs> yeah like and I, so i i understand that mindset too and i think they're probably just trying to head that off at the pass right i
3: think they probably also know you know they have some sort of data that tells them the type of person that's willing to spend 5 or 10 dollars on something like that is probably the person that's still going to be around you know mm. playing the game like the whatever i'm going to make up a number but like let's say 5 million people play that game at launch and there's 400,000, 500,000 playing it three months from now. That's probably the audience that would have bought that stuff anyway.
4: Do you think they'll add a Battletoad? I hope they add a (laughs) (laughs)
1: Battletoad. Some of the more cynical uh, IGN readers propose that they're uh, withholding microtransactions for three months to avoid Mm -hmm. the review release period. Well, because there's such a stigma against microtransactions.
4: Yeah. There's There's been cases of... Or just avoid the, dis- the negative discussion, not yeah. the reviews. I mean, like, there can, there can be a negative re- discussion outside of reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a stigma. I mean, it sounds like everything they're doing is... is a, it sounds like World of Warcraft, but it also sounds like it's not Battlefront.
1: Yeah, not Star Wars Battlefront.
4: Like, that's what you should do right now. If there's a negative reaction to a game out there that basically, you know, ruined that game's sales.
1: But I guess, yeah, and I guess I also... No, I was just saying. I think the the cats sound cute, and if it were available at launch, but I had to pay extra for it, that'd probably rub me the wrong way. Mm.
3: Yeah, I suspect you're right. I bet it has less to do with reviews and more <coughs> to do with like, well, they also know that they're going to sell most of what they're going to sell in the first three months.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
2: can you give the kitties like little scritches? Do we uh, know yet? Well, we'll- Justin, because that's saying, the sale. Did try right to there. get that
4: exclusive for us? <laughs> yeah.
1: Justin was saying, he IGN, thinks you can pet the cats. <laughs> it should be illegal. I'd run it. To have dogs in your yeah, game like- if you can't pet the dogs.
4: Yeah, I. Yep. Uh, <laughs> That's a weird situation, right? When you can't pet the dog.
3: It's. Uh, I really don't want the government involved in my video game industry, <laughs> but please. Uh, so who, who am I Who I need to call my senator and yeah. let them know there's I'm a game out.
0: They're, they're,
3: <laughs> they're, uh, Diane Feinstein, there's dogs in Zelda, but you can't pet them. Yeah.
4: <laughs> She's like, who is this? <laughs> Get out of my office. Stop you, calling. You can this pet number. the cat in Sardi Valley or dog if you choose to have a dog but uh, you don't actually that. see it. The cat just gives you a
1: little oh, heart. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you see the cat, you just mm-hmm. don't see the... the there's no yeah. pet animation. That's yeah.
2: borderline. That's like something that would like get taken to court, yeah. right? And we'd argue <laughs> minimum, about it. Minimum <laughs> viable product. Yeah.
3: Minimum <laughs> viable <laughs> pet. All
1: right, uh, let's check in with listeners. Hey, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Archie from Ireland did. Cool. He says, been watching the show for years now. I love it. Keep it up. My question to you guys is whether or not it would be harder for someone like myself to break into the games industry compared to you guys, mm. being only 21. My knowledge of games really starts at the PS2 and Xbox generation. My favorite games include Shadow of the Colossus, Metal Gear Solid 3, Dark Souls, Bioshock, and Hotline Miami. However, I've never owned a Nintendo console or really been around to experience the classic games of the Nintendo 64 and PS1 era. Do you think knowledge of these games is necessary to break into the industry? I hear you guys talk about them all the time.
4: Yeah, I know. (laughs) And (laughs) yet I've hardly
1: played any of them. Unlike films, old games are very hard to get a hold of. And even if you can, it's usually quite expensive to do so. So I feel like I'm missing out on a vital part of gaming history. Do you think this will affect other people my age from getting a foothold in the gaming or gaming journalism industry?
3: Mm. Well, it's a really important distinction, whether you're
4: talking about journalism
3: or game making.
1: Two very different skill sets required.
4: I mean, we look for hunger in uh, people for knowledge. And I think that's a really important part of covering anything that you're passionate about. And I didn't grow up with arcades, and arcade games are fascinating to me, and I love them. It has nothing to do with yeah. what area you're born in. Do your research, figure that stuff out. But also, you know, you having the context of where you grew up and what you played is interesting, no matter what. It doesn't matter what you didn't play, it matters what you have to say about it. Yeah. And so, you know, you're just as hireable as anybody else.
1: You know, Sam, if you were interviewing an applicant for IGN editorial and they were big fans of Shadow of the Colossus, Metal Gear Solid Three, Dark Souls, Bioshock, Hotline Miami, but they never played Super Mario Brothers Two, yeah, would you be time. like, "You're out"?
4: Yeah, obviously, totally fine, and like, it's we would never ask somebody to, you know. Explain their game history. We want to know what your opinion is of games that are out now because that's what we talk about. Yeah. Except yeah. for on Game Scoop during Twenty Questions. I was going to say, sc- yeah. well, there's <laughs> one
3: exception. Scoop, in particular, <laughs> you know, we skew a little bit older yeah. in our interests, right? So. And our
1: and our ages, so yeah. Just, that's so,
2: just the I, way bet, I bet I haven't played some of your guys's favorite classic games. Yeah, so likewise, that's, that's yeah. there you go.
4: People um, have different tastes and experiences. It's yeah, kind of- I mean, it's definitely. I don't.
3: I don't ever feel old, except when we're doing like top one hundred meetings at IGN, and you know, we have a tendency to have a little bit younger staff, and we hire younger, and that's just. It's just, what we, it's just what our makeup is typically, and when half or more of the staff, you know, isn't familiar with you know some of the what I would consider some of the all time greats, and I do start to feel a little old, but. um we spend the bulk. Our bread and butter is current games, you know, right. and so it doesn't. Yeah.
4: It's fine. Um, I would expect people to be able to contextualize features of games in history. That's important when you're critically evaluating a game to come out and say, "Oh, this game, I like. It's you know, it's doing everything for the first time," and be wrong about that. Obviously, you don't want to be wrong about that. You need to have yeah. some kind of understanding of history, but do that research while you're doing the project. Yeah. You don't need to come to the job with that. Sure. Yeah.
2: And, and as for the games development side of it, yeah. I've never worked in game dev myself but i've i talked to a lot of game developers i know a lot of game developers i went to school for game design um, i think it's like a little bit of a just like reading makes you a good writer watching or makes you a better writer like exposing yourself to a lot of different things definitely gives you kind of like a a larger mindset to think about that sort of stuff but i also know indie game developers who very vocally say you don't have to play games or like games to make games, right? Like, there are people who, maybe that's not everybody, and I'm sure that a lot of game developers really do like and play games, but, like, that those are not necessarily requisites, right? You don't have to have played every Mario game in the world. Like, even, what was it, didn't Nintendo say that they some yeah. they're actively hire people who are maybe not gamers so mm-hmm. that they can kind of get that breath? I think yeah. that doesn't necessarily... Gate you out of it just because you haven't played old games.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Especially like if you're if you wanted to work at Epic on Fortnite, I don't know how valuable uh, deep knowledge of Bubsy would be <laughs> for that role.
2: Detrimental maybe. <laughs> it might, be. Yeah, well, yeah. It might actually I mean, hurt I, your game design
3: knowledge. I would say game journalism, it's more important to have <laughs> I would say, yeah. you know to have just a like, wide. Just of like film
1: of criticism. Things. Right. Yeah, like you,
3: but game development, you know, you just need to know like it's artistic chops or programming chops or yeah. you know, whatever it may be. And I don't think it's as important to, you know, be super up to speed on dozens and dozens of eighties and nineties games.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, all right, this is Corey from Georgia. First time, long time, all that jazz. I work in a similar field and have a question to see if we share a similar problem. He doesn't tell us. I wonder what a similar (laughs) field is to what we do. Hmm, Maybe it's pizza making. He says, do you find it hard to live in the now when it comes to video games? For example, you talk about a game so much leading up to its release, and even if it's great, there's always that next game that you have to talk about. I personally have found it difficult to enjoy new releases, as my vision is always moving forward to the next release. Definitely pizza.
3: Yeah. Well, we've, pizza industry. Sam, you in particular. <laughs> I'm
1: um, always trying to eat the next pizza.
3: You've been on a crusade over the last 12 months or so to sort of uh, adjust how we think about this at IGN and remind people, especially if like uh, a review embargo is early, like sometimes we get a game two weeks before it comes out and we're allowed to put our review up a week before it comes out. And then we have to kind of remind people, Hey, that game is out today. You know, (laughs) that game that we were talking about in the office, you know, two weeks ago in some instances, and sometimes we don't get a game early at all, but, um, we do have to go through that process of like, what's the public mindset and how is that time shifted a little bit different than our mindset internally amongst the staff?
4: I'm sure you guys remember reading IGN and other sites, uh, and Kind of having the writer lord over you that we got this game early. Not, that is not what we want to do here. No. And, and I, we get that thrown back at us sometimes like, hey, you know, you guys have access to everything. Why should I, you know, uh, trust you? Well, the, the voice we are going for is that we, you know, We we take our jobs very seriously when we criticize games, and it's good to have them early because we can do more with them and we can evaluate them more clearly. But yeah, we don't definitely don't want to have the voice of like lording it over people. Yeah,
3: I mean, we we all are lucky enough. um, I guess I can't speak for you three. I'm a video game fan Uh, personally. I don't care for Um, myself. Uh, I mean, I'm just an enthusiast, so it's exciting and fun, and that feeling of like having something like before some other people, like that's definitely a perk of the job. Like I won't deny that, but that's not really what it's about. It really is about like we need it, like we need that access to prep the guide content and make sure that the review is ready to go, and all the other stuff that we want to deliver to the audience. It's necessary to um, to try and prep as much of that as we can, and be if you go to IGN.com, you're gonna have what you need on that game when you
4: bring that game home from your house. I feel like I play as many games after they come out as I do before they come out, though. Yeah, I mean, if anything, oh, yeah. I have the... We op- don't have access. Like, if, if 10 people in the office are playing yeah. a game, the other 200 aren't, you know? Yeah.
3: So, yeah. I feel a little guilty. I have the opposite problem. Like, I've been playing Dwarf Fortress a ton lately, and I'm like, yeah.
2: that's not relevant
3: no, yeah. to anything at all that's happening in this Dwarf, office. Dwarf
2: Fortress is always relevant. Well, Dwarf, okay. Dwarf Fortress will be relevant until the <laughs> Earth yeah. burns up. Yeah. yeah, that's a really,
4: you really You probably stay plan. a little bit ahead of everybody, right? Uh, you have the Steam access.
2: Yeah, I try to play... I mean, I try to play... A lot of stuff. Like, I, I had a resolution earlier at the beginning of this year. My resolution for 2018 was to play a, a game I've never played every day. Um, every day? No, you can do day. it.
1: There were 7,500 games I, mean, I could, Steam last year. I mean, I could
2: pull out the doc. I think I'm at least up to 30 <laughs> or 40 games this year. Um, I'm not doing every day anymore because, in a weird way, it was affecting the way I was playing games, or I was like, oh, I can't play this game I already liked because oh, I God. need to play a new one. So totally. I stopped doing that. But, like, yeah, I've, I... I, I I it, in to his point. I try to live in the now more than I do live in like the past or the future. Like I love playing whatever's come out this week. I'll just try to like dig into as much as I can, and then like the next week comes and it's hard, right? Like it's hard to to go back for stuff sometimes, and I, that makes me sad when there are so many good games coming out. Like there's a game that I started playing for the first time last night called Crossing Souls, mm-hmm. uh, and. I'm I'm playing this game and I'm like this game might be great and I know I'm never gonna finish it. What was that whaling card game? Uh, Nantucket. Nantucket. Nantucket's a cool game. (laughs) I have not gone back and played that though yet. So many
1: rhymes. It's on my backlog. (laughs) Uh, All right, one more email this week. This is from Rachel in Trinidad and Tobago. Cool. I don't know how she can be in two places. But she says, recently there's been a lot of talk online about games pushing back the release dates to avoid that window in October when Red Dead Redemption 2 is slated to come out. It seems the wisest thing to do. Remember, in 2015, Rise of the Tomb Raider was obliterated from the cultural conversation by Fallout 4. It seems if you want your game to survive, you got to make way for juggernauts or you'll get steamrolled. So I've been thinking about competing media. Take, for instance, the new Jumanji movie. It's been an unprecedented success, making over $880 million at the box office so far. Many didn't think it would stand a chance considering there was a Star Wars movie out at the same time, but it held its own. I know movies and video games are two different industries, but seeing two blockbusters compete and do extremely well is interesting. It makes me wonder if there's a space in the gaming industry for something like that to happen. So my question, do you think there's any AAA video game that can be released around or on the same day with a Rockstar game and hold their own? Yeah, Call of Duty.
3: Well, but I was going to say probably something that occupies a difference, like a Nintendo, like a Mario, you know, something counter-programming. is yeah, a classic yeah, sure. example, right? Like something that's going to occupy really different space in the gamers' minds and a different portion of, as she, uh, Rachel said, the cult- cultural conversation.
2: Interestingly, uh, we haven't yeah. gotten a date for Kingdom Hearts yet this year. I think if mm. Kingdom Hearts wanted to release Near Red Dead, it probably would that's- still be talked about.
3: Yeah,
1: probably a good example of counter programming. That's Yeah,
2: actually- they they're they're more similar games than maybe like a Nintendo game, but also it's like a different different audience, different kind of vibe to it, different pace to it, good I call. think. Yeah, yeah, totally.
3: There was a, I thought Rachel was going to go a different direction with that conversation where do the these big entertainment releases across different mediums need to worry about each other more often now? We had that apocalyptic mm. day last fall where it was what, Mario and Assassin's Creed and a big Punisher. Stranger
1: Things. Thing. It was Stranger Things. Stranger yeah. Things,
3: excuse me. And then maybe a movie too. And <laughs> it's like for a site like IGN that covers everything, like that's a problem. But <laughs> if you're someone making a movie or a game, I don't know, I'd be curious to find out how much they worry about. You know, Activision's not just competing with EA. It's like any time you're spending time with something else, that's time you're not spending with, you know, Rainbow Six Siege, for example. So yeah. um, is that a consideration of theirs? Like, is Netflix a threat to game makers?
1: Yeah, I think for sure, right? Well, uh, just like...
3: I just don't know how much they consider stuff like that.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Netflix I think it's
4: so opaque about their scheduling.
1: I think it must be. Just like Twitch, I think, is a... Uh, uh, threat to traditional yeah. cable broadcasters, right? I don't well, know if you saw the news today, but like Twitch is getting mm. higher concurrence now than like MSNBC. Yeah. <laughs> and Same.
3: well yeah, or is it a threat to you know, certainly the makers of single player games. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll just sit and watch them be played instead.
4: But I think your uh, Kingdom Hearts can go up against Kingdom Holy Hearts Dead, and yeah. it should be fine. Yeah. Maybe Overwatch
2: Two. But well, we still don't know when Kingdom Hearts is coming out, right? Yeah,
1: we like, don't even know 2018. if it's coming out this if, year.
3: But, uh, <laughs> you know, Bobby Bobby Kotick or one of those guys, if you're listening, uh, He's let me a know. Big fan. I'd like mm-hmm. I'd be yeah. curious to find out how much you pay attention to, yes. you know, Hollywood and television when you're thinking about when to release your games.
1: Is Bobby Kotick still the head of Activision? No one knows. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Tom, you know how this works? Uh,
2: I know how 20 questions works, it, yes.
1: It's that. In the, it's a video game that you're trying cool. to guess. Um, <laughs> yes, I know how this works.
4: Tom's played versions of this 20 questions game. When I go out after the oh, show, yeah. <laughs> I, I, t- I walk up to the uh, wider staff and I say, all right, the game has this, 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 and this. What is it? And then people argue about it. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah. So that's the internal follow-up like to fun, follow
1: up 20 questions. Yeah, that that's do. part of the meta game. Yeah. Uh, so is
2: it bigger than a bread box doesn't uh, apply to video now, games? No. Yeah, I could, true.
1: though. Uh, <laughs> this week's suggestion comes from Elijah in Pennsylvania, and he says, since you mentioned AOL email addresses last week, <laughs> I knew it was the right time to finally send in my 20 questions game suggestion. Let the questioning begin. But, well, Damon, if someone wants to send
3: in a 20 questions suggestion...
1: They would send them to the email address gamescoop at IGN.com.
4: So if I he has I an know. AOL address, that means you probably played games longer ago than... Uh,
3: yeah. It means that. you're an old. One of the old. Uh okay. Uh, uh does your character wear a hat?
1: No. Whoa,
3: that's very you're very sure. Yep.
1: All right. Can't
4: get a hat on this character. No. <laughs> uh Did this game um We oh man, there are so many good suggested questions yeah, recently. I, know. I o- can't remember. O- they always of them. fly immediately <laughs> out of my head the yeah. moment we get in. No, it. there are some really good ones. Uh, Oh, one of them was cart or CD. Yeah, was this released on cartridge?
3: No. All right. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Are
1: you ready to
3: guess?
2: How elaborate can I get? It just has to be a yes or no answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: I hope Tom really just gums up the works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so so since he said the AOL thing.
4: It's not a cartridge.
2: Right.
3: We were mostly joking about the AOL thing. (laughs) I yeah. guess, but I was thinking maybe. What if it's not a console game? Console generations confused.
4: I me. don't know the difference. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I, that's I, a I, don't good know I just need to re- research, Andres. Thank you for that.
2: Uh, okay. Well, I, I, would you? Pl- this is going to be a weird question maybe that you we, might not know the answer to. Here we go. Would you, is, like? I'm trying to ask if like if it's an old classic. All right, my turn. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Like, so with the AOL question, this is like, would you play this game with like dial-up modem? Right, like, is it like a classic era PC game like
1: that? Hold on, you need to simplify your question. <sighs> How about is it a PC game? Is Let's
2: it bigger say. than a bread box? <laughs> you want to ask? Yeah, if it's is a P- is is it a PC game? No. Okay.
3: All right, so I'm gonna assume that it's a CD based game, Kay. based off of. It's not on a cart. but It could be digital only. I don't like. I've decided I don't like the carts. Digital <laughs> only,
4: our, our floppy disk. Um, yeah, phonograph record. Because now there were a okay, few. Uh, whatever. Okay, was this Eight. game
3: was this game released after January first, twenty ten?
1: Yes.
4: Wow. That's mm. okay. Not on cartridge. No. Not Switch. <laughs> but
3: it could still be digital only. It's
4: not Switch or uh, 3DS. Could be iPhone. Could be Angry Birds. Could be. It's probably Angry Birds. What about the hats?
3: I don't think any of those birds wear hats. One of them explodes.
4: <laughs> was this on consoles?
3: Yes. Angry Birds was also on consoles, yeah. I want to point out. Nailed it.
2: <laughs> the strategy of like getting elaborate or not, right? like how much do you hone in? Well, but we know it's
3: after 2010, so I I mean you're welcome to ask what question you want. I'd like to zero in on console.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to ask like is it a Nintendo game?
1: What do you mean by a Nintendo game?
2: What, was it a Nintendo exclusive?
1: No
4: is hmm. i want to know if it's developed in japan
2: i'm gonna waste all your questions i apologize to everyone but you want to get to
3: consoles first well i mean we can do whatever i don't care um that's that's the big secret about know. all of this you uh put this like marriage justin you just never say i don't care not important to me <laughs> um whatever happens happens Call the cops happy valentine's day um is it uh is it a multi-platform game
1: yes
4: Wow, we are not narrowing this down at all. Um so, Damon, tell me. Yeah. Was this game developed in Japan?
1: Yes. Ooh.
4: Multi-platform Still doesn't help us very much, Tom. Don't get too excited. Well, but that means it's not, not
3: Angry Birds. That means n- it's not Angry Birds. <laughs> it's a, what finish? Um yeah. So that means not Sony, not Nintendo. Uh
2: Why why not Sony? Oh, cuz It's a third party. Right, 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 well, right, right. it's a multi-platform game. Mm-hmm. Well, is is there <laughs> Like, is combat the primary thing in this game, like fighting?
4: Yes. Okay. Okay. That,
2: that rules out a lot of stuff for me.
4: That's actually a pretty good question. What was the Nintendo one? Did you do published?
2: I just asked if it was a Nintendo exclusive, but now we know it's cross-platform or multi-platform, which it's I should not, have just asked to begin it's with. It's
4: not Nintendo exclusive. Okay. All right, so combat is the focus. You don't wear a hat.
3: Multi-platform.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: After 2000.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, 2010. Is this on... Right?
3: Uh, is yeah. this on current? Is this on the Xbox One, PS4 generation of consoles?
2: No.
1: Mm. That's ten.
4: Uh, does so. this have uh, realistic graphics? Um,
1: yeah. It, yes.
4: Red.
3: Tom's, ma- Tom's <laughs> making the same face I make whenever. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Sam, that's like your go-to question.
4: <laughs> well, so if he says no, then like it's really nice to have the cell shaded stuff out of the way. And- uh, or I mean, it's always nice to go down that 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 route. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, okay,
3: so three hundred and sixty PS three game, possibly PC game, uh, made in Japan, <sighs> fighting things. Mm-hmm. Are you? Hmm, I don't know if I want to burn a question on. This.
2: Made made in Japan. Yeah. Uh, Ju- does a robot suit count as a as a hat? <laughs> <laughs> are you in, are you in some sort of mech or robot suit?
1: No.
3: Do you uh, okay? Do you are are you shooting things with guns in this game?
1: Um. Are you sh- are
3: you shooting projectiles in this game?
1: There, if there is, that's not your primary form of of mm. attack. Okay. Mm. If there are guns in the game, they they'll be like a secondary. Okay,
4: that's interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, so you're slashy. Is Metal Gear Rising?
4: Yeah. <laughs> Devil May Cry. Yeah, Devil May Cry.
2: Yeah, that's where I, my brain was going, too.
4: I mean, do I, if combat's the focus...
3: Well, that doesn't,
4: it doesn't not the mean it's action.
3: It just no. says there is combat it, in it.
2: No, no. no I suppose if that was, was the, the, the main thing you did in the game. Mm, okay. <clears throat>
4: it was yeah. fighting. Um, fighting around the world. Does this game have a <laughs> sequel or sequels? No. So what? One-off. Mm-hmm.
2: There might be guns in it, but it's not primarily a gun game. Made in Japan, multi-platform.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No hats or robot suits. Mm-hmm.
3: What was that? Uh, what, it's, it's like Dragon's Dogma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fighting a lot of things in that. I game. I mean, we can That's go with doing. fantasy
4: or sci-fi if you want to do that.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, the realistic graphics. Okay. So is this game set in like a you know realistic Earth-like setting?
1: Yes. That's 15. Oh, man. So I think
4: Yakuza has some sequels, so it's not that.
3: Oh, Yakuza. Yeah, we hosed, we got, we screwed oh. up Yakuza a couple weeks ago, didn't we? Many sequels to Yakuza, though.
4: Or um, Sleeping Dogs. Like could,
3: could absolutely be Sleeping dog, Dogs. Is wait, this wait. seven
4: open world? Yeah, but you like shoot that? the heck out of things in <laughs> Sleeping
3: Dogs. <laughs> what
1: was What that?
4: about an open world question?
3: Yeah.
1: Does this
2: have an open world?
1: No. Okay.
2: When did the Wii come out again?
3: That would have been, this is Wii U generation. Okay. Because this is Wii U, Xbox 360, PS3. Okay.
4: We're assuming a little bit, but hopefully
3: it's that. (laughs) Okay. We're in real trouble here.
4: Mm. The realistic-ish
3: graphics and sort of set on a contemporary Earth and it's a Japanese-made game, hmm? and it is it is it it's, like
2: a one of the Killer Seven type games? You know who's who's that developer? Um, Suda. Is it a Suda game? Right.
3: Well, you're not asking.
2: That's not, not yeah. what I'm asking. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm just like I'm thinking. That's kind of oh, realistic. Cool. I mean, what? No more. But hero- not not the right graphics, but right?
3: So graphics. does No More Heroes fit all the criteria? But not not realistic not graphics? graphics. No. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um.
2: Because um, that's where I was going with it with the Wii. Oh, man, this is stressful. And this is, a, how do you guys do this every no, week? <laughs>
4: well, we win every week. All right.
2: Oh, my <laughs> so uh, bad. So this is
3: you're telling me this is on me. <laughs> so yes. I don't, oh no. I don't think it can be any of the FromSoft games because none of them are set on a contemporary Earth-like planet, mm-hmm. as far as I know. I um, thought
2: it was like going to be Vanquish, but Vanquish has no robot suits. Yeah. That's why I asked that.
4: Man. So combat. Uh, should we ask if it has like a sword or fists or something?
3: I'm assuming sword.
4: You're assuming sword? Yeah. We'll go with sword.
3: You can ask. I just We have four questions left. Oh, we have four? Yeah. All right. Well, we're boned.
4: Yeah, probably. Do you use a sword in this game? No. Whoa.
3: What? Maybe it actually. Maybe it's a fighting game.
2: Oh, but does that? Oh, I guess we didn't ask that, did we?
4: This is a fighting game? Wait, 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 wait,
3: wait. But there's no sequels. Doesn't every oh, fighting game man. have a trillion sequels? Not Skullgirls.
4: But also, a- the realistic graphics and stuff is like, it's yeah. tough. Tekken's and they have, yeah. I I was, I'm works. trying
3: to think of any fighting game from last gen that didn't. Well, he didn't. said it's not open but the world. The
2: confidence right? with which he said no to the hat question makes me think that. That's oh, yeah, true. yeah. Fighting
4: games have too many hats.
2: Yeah. If, he had to f- so, if there was like a cast of characters, he'd have to think about that one. For but a it's bit.
3: interesting. We sort of glossed over the fact that it's not open world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like something level, like, you know, whatever brawler like Ninja and you Gaiden. don't use swords. I just think it's
4: something like Ninja Gaiden.
3: Yeah, but that's a generation too old. Or I mean, and just that type like of, that. the type right. of game. I mean, they related, Devil May Cry, Ninja Gaiden, they, they, related, they all sequels. Like, Tenchu, right? Was that last gen? Mm-hmm. Um, three questions to go. Yeah. So we you, do critically acclaimed. Nah, it's never helpful to me. I mean, you can <laughs> if you want. Uh, and you don't use a sword. <laughs> oh, I feel like we have all the puzzle pieces here, but I just can't. Whoa! Mm. They're swirling around. One of the
2: Darksiders games.
3: Not Japanese, right? Oh, They're also not in contemporary Earth.
2: Aren't they? I thought one of them was.
4: Andres, what are you thinking?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But But it wouldn't be because it's guns as a side thing, right? If there are guns. A a
3: first-person puncher. (laughs) (laughs) They've made those. That game, yeah, there's this an game. Atlas one, right? Fight
2: Night is a game that's coming out. Yeah, fight with a K, night out. with a K. Oh, really? Yeah, it's that's a cute. cool looking game that's coming out soon, actually. All
4: right, uh, do you bring is, it home? Is it? Hmm, I don't have it. What's <laughs> <laughs> the way
2: he's smiling and laughing is?
1: Like, I just wonder. Do you think we're gonna get this one? I'm. I'm not. Com- I'm not confident. Okay. Is that a question? Was oh, that a question? No, no, no that's a freebie. <laughs> is this one no. we will get? <laughs>
4: but I'm trying to think. Uh, should we ask about multiplayer? Does that guys, help at all? Mm, maybe. Yeah. Does yeah. this have
2: multiplayer?
1: I, this does not have multiplayer. Sing, so
2: single-player game that is linear without yeah. swords on a semi-realistic Earth with a semi-realistic graphics from Japan, multi-platform from Japan. Yep.
4: Not much gunplay. Disaster Day of Crisis.
2: Oh, no sword, not much gunplay. What type of fighting game has no sword but not much gunplay?
4: A brawler. A brawler.
2: <laughs> Should we ask, like, uh, no, because t- I guess... Oh, re-
4: really-
1: is this based on a license? No. No.
4: Nah. Okay, so that'll help us guess the final one.
1: <laughs> all right, you've... Is there right n- there? 19? That was 19. So last question has to be the guess. So... What
3: games were, were like, you know, Capcom and Konami and all these companies, yeah. you know, mucking around with back then? Yeah. Goodness gracious. I'm way, I'm way. No in,
2: sequels is hard, man.
3: I'm way in left field. Uh, 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 Asura's Wrath. Yeah, that's the one of the big bosses.
4: That's not really Contemporary Earth or realistic. Is it not Contemporary graphics. Earth? No, I didn't actually like, play it. You it only had
2: big monsters it. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: I was thinking like that and God Hand and stuff are really good. Red Steel.
3: God God Hand's a generation mm. too old. So is Red Steel actually, but um, totally. And Red Steel's totally a shooter. But I like to think of games like that. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, is there like yeah, a yeah.
2: Zombie game.
4: Yeah. Right. Mm. Like, uh, what's the one that we that we launched with? Ooh, Dead Rising.
3: Zombie. That doesn't. have sequels. Dead, Dead Rising got a Se- sequel, Se- but Zom- Dead. Zombie. Yeah, that, that's
2: that, what it is. It could
3: be Zombie U. No, but that's Ubisoft.
2: And that came to. Oh,
4: it wasn't Japanese at all.
3: No, and it can't and it got ported.
4: Mm. That's okay. Because it can come to multiple consoles.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. But I've been so I've been so hung up on contemporary earth being like, you know, a realistic setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It because he, he
2: hesitated on on Earth. He was he was thinking about it. Mm, so I think I think Zombie <laughs> I mean, oh well, does whatchamacallit? Does uh Last of Us count? That kinda has guns, I guess.
3: Well that's not that's not Japanese either.
2: Oh I f- keep forgetting about that yeah. part. Keep forgetting about that part. So there
3: was Dead Rising, which oh, yeah. and there was Dead but Island. Dead, Dead
2: Rising got a sequel.
3: And Dead Island got a sequel. Dead Island got a sequel. Well, spin
4: off and hats, though, I- guys. And Dead Island Two. <laughs> no hats playing. for sure. Like, so you're a character in this game. It's not one of those like I'm an anonymous person games. You also shoot the heck out of things in both of those
2: games. Dead Rising also had kind of an open world. Sequels. So it's that one's just outright. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm just going down that. the wrong path here. I'm leading us astray.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're gonna get this one. We're, did we say the name of it? You guys came very close twice. Okay. Uh. How about that? We, wait, if we came close twice. No, it's, it's too late. It's, <laughs> it's too <aren't> late. you?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, what is and it? And it was actually Tom that got you there both times. Yeah. Tom got you there twice. He came by. He said, suit of 51. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he came by and said, "Zombies."
2: Was it a Suda Fifty One zombie game? It
1: was lollipop chainsaw. Lollipop chainsaw.
2: Oh, I got it,
3: man. <laughs> I wouldn't call that realistic graphics.
4: Oh, oh they're, oh,
3: they're oh, going that was
1: for... straight up cartoon. I think they're going for realistic graphics. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to like, like as opposed like cel shaded.
2: I thought it was cel shaded.
1: No. Okay. No. Compared to Suda's other games, yeah. that's
2: a realistic graphic yeah. game. I think yeah. you reviewed Not that really game. Didn't
1: you? No, I didn't oh. review. I've never played that game. No hat. You, no, you're the cheer, cheerleader. Yeah, I know. She doesn't wear a hat. Big tails. Uh, Should we pig ask Pigtails' pig question from here? On? Yeah. <laughs> Your so the focus tails. is
4: it is a bayonet like like. So she has a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. That's a not a sorter again. So I think we were there with Devil May Cry and everything. We knew what type of game it was. Yeah, so it is that
1: type of game. It's a hack and slash linear hack and slash game. Yeah. Tough man. Yeah. Published by Warner Brothers. That game, but developed by yeah developed by Grasshopper in Japan. Oh man, I just Googled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah safe the, search. Can there. be a dangerous one to Google that one. Lollipop chainsaw. Uh, good, good suggestion. Elijah from Pennsylvania. The Aol, stumped. Aol email. Yeah. Threw you off.
3: I think if they stump us, uh, they should get something.
1: Yeah. What should it be? I don't know. Good pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh we to make an anagram of their name? Uh, so Elijah. What's uh, You work on that. Well, I uh, read about uh, the DICE Awards, which are airing uh, exclusively on IGN next week, February 21st and 22nd at the DICE Awards. VIPs of the gaming industry like Phil Spencer, Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog will be presenting on the future of the industry and giving out the DICE Awards. Nominated for Game of the Year this year is Cuphead, Horizon, PUBG, Mario Odyssey, and Breath of the Wild. And uh, the IGN is the place where you can uh, stream all the talks and the awards. The two-day stream kicks off uh, at on February first, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at IGN, and then the 2018 Dice Awards commence February 22nd at 8 p.m. Pacific. So February, I have February the anagram. What did I say? February first. February 21st. Yeah.
4: Yes, I have the anagram. Okay, for Elijah. his punishment for stumping us is that we should jail he. Jail he!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and with that, that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. (laughs) The number of 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 the number
0: of the number 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 of the the number of 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 the